I'm Max, and you're listening to Zeta Slapitas, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What's up, everybody? It's your second favorite triplet pairing. Uh, I'm Alan. I'm Molly. And I'm Max. And by the way, if your first favorite triplet pairing isn't the Lawrence Brothers, boy, after this movie, it might be. It might be. This is Zeta Slapitas, and this is the podcast. Truly adorbs. This is Zetus Lapidus. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie or DCOM in chronological order and then spend way too much time analyzing them. This week, we watched the hit sequel to Horse Sense, Jumping Ship. Yeah. Jumping the Shark. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they mention sharks frequently in I this was, movie. <laughs> spoiler alert. Fucking pissed that I didn't see a shark once. They're in Australia, in the water, and you're not going to show me a shark? You know what they, they did didn't. show you in the water? They showed you what we have to assume is a crocodile. <laughs> I oh, don't know what it was. It was it, yeah, it, it is an interesting choice to make that the creature, wasn't it? <laughs> right. In the ocean. They were like, on an island. Crocodiles can go in the ocean, but I'm fucking pissed that they mentioned sharks at least twice, and I did not see one. Right. The basic show info for Jumping Ship is... Michael has big plans to show his cousin, Tommy, a good time abroad, a luxury yacht. I'm sorry, a good time aboard (laughs) a luxury yacht until he discovers that the one he chartered is actually an old rusted fishing boat. But when modern day pirates chase it, they're forced to jump ship, leaving them stranded on a desert island with a captain, Jake Hunter. And not Jake Hunter. Hunter from Boy Meets World. That, his name is Jack Hunter, oh, but right. you're, you're close. Wait, that's his character's name on Boy Meets World. Yeah, it is believed that this is a reference to his character on Boy Meets World. Because he, uh, this is definitely post-Boy Meets World. His intro in that show is like mid-90s. So this is definitely after that. And his name was Jack Hunter, Sean Hunter's older brother, in their half-brother, in that show. Mm-hmm. And so this is believed to be a reference. It's, it's, it's very, very amusing. Uh, this movie was released august 17th of 2001 and did either of you watch this movie as a kid no somehow no despite being a big horse sense fan and a big lawrence brothers fan i never saw this movie yeah i I didn't i didn't realize until we started this podcast that this movie one existed but two (laughs) was a sequel to horse sense because i definitely saw horse sense as a kid yeah. I didn't even know that, the, uh, that there was a sequel. And here we are. Now I know too much. Here we are. Some of the other top things of August 17th, 2001, the day before my birthday, that's irrelevant, but hey. Uh, the top song of the time was Fallen by Alicia Keys. Oh. I keep on falling, hitting now. I'm not even, you know what? It's Alicia Keys. I'm not even going <laughs> to. With you. She's. Never. That was kind of her big break, wasn't it? That was like when kind of put her on the map. Yeah, I think so. No, uh, for good reason. Is that right? Yeah, probably. I can't remember if that was off her first album or her second. Huh. Regardless, a banger. Very, very mm-hmm. good. The top movie of the time was American Pie 2. Oh. Mm. By the way, Does this he is fuck there is some pie in that one. That's just the first. He fucks a pie in the first one for sure. He does. Yeah. He puts his penis in a pie. Yep. Um, now there is some contention over this. I, I went to multiple websites to attempt to really hone in on what the top grossing film of that day was, and there there is it's hotly contested based upon 
the currency and, and all that good stuff. But Rush Hour 2 was also very close <laughs> with American Pie 2. <laughs> if, if that doesn't sum up 2001 for you, I don't, I don't know what would, right? Like... Uh, I love the Rush Hour movies. I they're think great. Those movies are so funny. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. Uh, movies also released on this day. Uh, the Princess Diaries was also released. The OG? On, the OG Princess Diaries wow. was released on August 17, 2001. I watched that. It's good. It's great. It holds up. It does. Anything with Julie Andrews, though. She's, she's literally the queen. Queen mm-hmm. of Genovia. Truly. And also, apparently, August 17th is Lois Lane's birthday, the fictional character from the Superman uh, story. I didn't know that. That literally popped up as like a fun fact of the day. I was like, oh, neat. I didn't know that. So now we all do. Enjoy. All right. Is that the headline? Those are the headlines. Yeah, that's, those are the top news and fun facts of the that's day. That's the headline. A Lois Lane's day. birthday. Real big day. In, big uh, day. Princess Diaries. <laughs> Princess Diaries <laughs> and Lois Lane. But it's the lull before the storm, if you know what I mean. Yeah, quite <laughs> very true. It's very lighthearted before whatever happens, you know, later on this year. All right, you ready to talk about jumping ship? I'm ready. Guys, I'm so excited. Let's jump in. Guys, oh, I, that just gosh. makes me think. I'm sorry. I'm going to come back to this for a second. Yeah. Does that mean the next GCOM that we talk about will be post 9-11? Correct. Yep. Damn, that's crazy. In fact, I think it was released the 14th Yeah. It's like, of September. it's just a few days. Damn, that is wild. Our, our lives are going to be changed forever. Stop it will be. Things. It will be interesting. I, I mean, we've done, what, like 30 of these at this mm-hmm. point? Mm-hmm. It will be interesting to see. Obviously, some of these have already been in development, right? And so, like, the first couple are going to be what they, whatever they were supposed to be. But it will be interesting once we get to, like, January of 2002 if you feel a shift. Well, how many times have we said, this is pre-9-11. You could go to the gate at the airport or yeah, something like 100%, that. We've 100%. said that at least five times recording this podcast. It's just crazy that next, the next month we're there. Okay, anyway. Yeah, September to. 14th of 2001 is the when the Poof Point, which is the, the next film was released. In fact, we only get three more movies this year. We yeah. get the Poof Point, oh. Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, and then we don't even get one in November. It just goes to December movie. Halloween Town hmm. 2, though. So I wonder oh, if yeah. they had something planned for release in November and they just pull it from the slate. Yeah, maybe. You got to wonder. There would be some interesting digging to find out what happens here. Let's, as Molly so eloquently put it, jump in. We open jumping ship back on the ranch that we become very familiar with in the prequel movie, Horse Sense. We get to see Tommy galloping gallivanting on uh, what we learned later to be Michael's horse. Lightning. 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 Still fast as lightning. Uh, and you have a conversation between Michael's aunt, Tommy's mother, and Michael. He's kind of talking on the flip phone, and you see Michael standing in what you imagine to be, at this point, based on this camera angle, a row of corn stalks mm-hmm. that have been grown. And Michael is sort of elaborating on how much he loves growing crops and feeling like he's part of something it's like oh you'll never really understand how great it is until you grow something of your own yeah can i just say seeing tommy ride that horse felt like coming home 
it felt it's a warm hug it was a warm hug it was kind of like going to the spaceship in the space day in xenon 2 it was like this is nice it was nice, although I did look and I was like, damn, Andrew Lawrence looks a lot older. Yeah. Like, yeah. Joey a looks lot the same. older. Yeah, Joey. Joey looks exactly the same, but Andrew Lawrence has, has grown up in, what, a year? Like, he looks yeah, much, much older. But it, it was nice. It was good. It was, yeah. This whole, this whole movie... It feels hug. just feels comfy a little bit. It yeah. does. Yeah, even down to the fact that I still think Jules and Michael White might want to have sex. <laughs> there was that yeah. implication. There is yeah. a weird sexual tension between them that carried over from the first film. This establishes sort of again, we're trying to get the characters as the set pieces in time. What we learn is that Tommy is taking care of Michael's horse. They're tending to the ranch as normal. There is a new man who has entered the scene mm-hmm. who is the neighbor to uh tommy and jules and we learn quickly that this man has feelings for mm-hmm. jules which was you know a bummer because that eliminates the michael jules relationship that we had all been building up on our head but you know what hey it's fine it's forbidden love true you know? it's also, very game of thrones I, are we gonna click the single counter up i, I think we same same single parent but yeah counter i guess it goes up again yeah yeah same story, but we'll also click it up for real for real a little bit later on down the road. A second That's true. Time. We would have hit it either yeah. way. We're going to hit right? it either way. So. And at the same time, we find out that Michael, despite his growth in horse sense, is still a Nepo baby and a spoiled child. Because as we zoom out from the cornfield shot, it's literally this perfectly little tilled plot of land with very concentrated stalks of corn growing next to his in-ground pool. And there is literally somebody who he has hired to tend to the crops for him, whom he berates on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Michael hasn't really changed much. No, he hasn't done a lot of growing. Yeah. He's literally none at all. Did they establish, did I miss this? The, the time gap here? Uh, no, I don't. They don't say, right? Which is probably kind of wild. whatever the time, yeah. maybe a year, whatever the he's actual now, release distance is. He's now graduated from college. Yeah. Whereas I don't remember what year he was he supposed was to be in before college before. I feel like he was like a, he says he's 23 in this movie. So maybe it's been a couple years, but yeah. Yeah. If you graduate, what maybe be 22, 22 so, so at <laughs> least, at least a year, but, probably more. But yeah, I was surprised at how little he seemed to have learned because the next scene we get is him lounging in the pool and his dad, who is not the same actor. Definitely not Calamar. (laughs) Definitely recast dad uh, is like, hey, did you get a job yet? And he's like, no. (laughs) This is what's so crazy. They this conversation. uh, He literally goes, well, if you don't get a job at the end of summer, you're going to come work at my firm. And he has, and, and he being Michael, has the audacity to look at his father and be like, as a partner? And dad lays down the law like, well, no, because you'd have to study law and then pass the bar to be a lawyer. My, first of all, Michael, if you don't know that, maybe law ain't your thing. <laughs> like, if you don't know the basic qualifications to practice law, maybe not, maybe not your thing. Yeah, I do have to take, you know, I have to find fault with something dad said, though. 
because, you know, here's dad berate Michael. But he said, you know, maybe you'll actually use your education. And I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure Michael has used his very <laughs> well-established education of land trusts already. What are you talking about him not using his education? This is ridiculous. He saved the, the farm. He saved a whole ass ranch with his education. Mm. I got to say, I am a little disappointed that this part of the plot line is happening again because I thought we moved past this with Michael. I mm. thought we had become a better person and i wish that he was like trying to get a job in real estate or something like i wish we had built on the land trust Mm, thing from the original yeah i gotta be honest i think that mostly this movie is not a sequel and it is mostly a sea-based remake (laughs) i Uh, agree (laughs) that uses the same plot structure but inserts Matt Lawrence in the Andy Lawrence role and just has Andy Lawrence as a character there this time, but that pretty much Matt Lawrence and Andy Lawrence down to losing their dads about a year and a half ago are exactly the same person. The amount of times Andrew Lawrence is used as a set piece in this movie is astronomical. I began to count his spoken lines uh, maybe about 20 minutes into the movie because I was like, wow, he's being really quiet after having a very prominent role in Horse Sense. I might have hit two dozen, maybe, spoken lines. So I'm going, dude, he's just a feature. Yeah. like he's I mean, it's, talk it's like beat for beat, very, very similar. Um, it's literally just the ocean version of Horse Sense. I w- we're going to get into it more, but I wish they had not taken that approach and they have enough other exciting things going on that I wish that they had dropped the pretentious, arrogant, spoiled Michael bit and just had them on this like wacky ocean adventure. Cause I, 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 I just want him to be working in real estate and what's going to happen. Cause he actually did well with real estate and I thought he was going to grow, but what's going to happen well one time. I know, but what's going to happen is he's going to call his friend and ask him to be a record producer. Like it's like, yeah, that crazy was a wild sequence. Mm-hmm. All of this initial portion of the film is to establish two of the plot threads that they are going to keep going back to. So let's actually let's, I do want to give this movie props. Even if I don't love the fact and we don't love the fact as a group that Michael hasn't shown any growth. At least this movie doesn't have 76 plot threads that they keep trying to poke back into and resolve. I think they've got three to four that they really hammer home very overtly, very obviously, that that take us through the movie, right? So at least I can give Jumping Ship that sort of pat on the back, as it were. These opening scenes are to establish Tommy is dealing with the struggles of same as he has before of not having his father and now the added layer of his mother having a new love interest that he's not necessarily into. Michael, again, much like horse sense is being a bratty Nepo baby and struggling with the fact that money, more specifically his dad's money can't solve all of his problems if he never works for anything. And we'll learn more about it later. But what we get in the interim is some general Australia B-roll shots. 
as we transition uh-huh. to Australia. And I'm I'm presuming it's Australia B-roll shots because it ends on boomerangs and didgeridoos <laughs> as we zoom hey, into... Hey, we saw the Sydney Opera House, all right? <laughs> true, true, true. We did see the Opera House. As we get a limo pulling up with Tommy... And Michael wearing these matching outfits. They're amazing. I like that Tommy's wearing it. You know, in the uh, yeah. in horse sense, he would have just been, you know, ten gallon hat on, and, and not have had it on. I just hope that if we travel internationally, we all wear matching outfits. This outfit, we all have to wear this I'd outfit. I hope we wear ridiculous suits with big collars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Specifically, if huge. we go to Australia. Yeah, that's what they wear. Apparently, the amount of times that. They say good day, mate, in a bad accent in this movie. Bro, like the bro. the like <laughs> the treatment of people from Australia in this film is like oh, it's not, oh man, guys, you've just you've become a cartoon. It's like it's lackluster. All whole nation of people have been have been made into a cartoon. I was honestly surprised that they didn't get out of the limo and have a kangaroo punch them in the face because it was like so <laughs> just everything was so stereotyped. Yeah, there's, was a, there's a point there's a point in this movie where I went, is the villain Australia or like, <laughs> like I, because because even when they meet Jake, when they meet Matt Lawrence, he's not Australian. Like no. he doesn't speak with an accent. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the villain is just Australians. Like I'm I think they've made the this whole continent full of people into the villain. <laughs> so they get out of the limo and they are cased by this woman sitting at the restaurant. I thought originally this was going to be the girlfriend that Michael had tried to get to Australia because that was seated early on and he was trying to fly his girlfriend from Hawaii to Australia for $4,000. And nope, that's not who she is because we never, we don't, we close that plot point with a throwaway line way the fuck down the road. We'll never see her in this movie. (laughs) We didn't need her. Uh, Listen, I'm happy. Yeah, you need her to set up that Michael needs a job. I'm sure there's no other way you could set that up in any other line of dialogue. We need to put in the idea that she's going to join why and never pay it off. Why couldn't they have, he just said, Michael, you spent $4,000 more than you, I thought you would. And Michael says, oh, I bumped us up from business class to first class or something. I chartered a yacht. Like <laughs> I, I booked a suite instead of a regular hotel room. Like. We did, and the the girlfriend thing made me mad too. Because to your point, Max, we already did this game. We already right. did. We already did the spoiled rich girlfriend. I'm actually glad we don't ever meet her because I didn't need that caricature Same. person again. Like, yeah, no, yeah, just just literally anything else but what you've already done. So this this woman is casing Michael because they've just gotten out of a limo. He she sees Michael hand money to the driver. And they're gathering up their suitcases and luggage to go to the dock to get on the yacht that has been chartered. And this woman kind of runs up, trips over Michael, runs into him, and does the whole thief pickpocket situation, walks away with his wallet. Michael none the wiser. Michael and Tommy make their way to the dock to try to locate the chartered vessel that they have to take them to their resort island stay when they're going to fish sort of en route. And then... They eventually find a yacht that they assume is theirs. 
go in, sit down, make themselves quite comfortable, only to find much later that that is not their vessel. Awkward. Mm-hmm. Instead. Awkward. Yeah, ooh, I was, I was uncomfortable. Have you ever walked into a room and that's like, that, I, that, I draw that equivalent of like walking into the wrong restroom and being like, oops. <laughs> like you make eye contact with yeah, somebody and they're like, my bad. I've never walked into the wrong restroom and then told the attendant to get me a soda and take my bed. <laughs> 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 well, Michael does establish lesson number one in this moment where he tells Tommy, you always get what you deserve in life. You know, if I've ever heard anything true, it's that <laughs> you always get whatever you deserve in life. Well, for him in that moment, it's getting kicked out, which is exactly yeah, maybe, maybe what true. He then you know, yeah. So they leave the yacht that is not theirs after that awkward encounter. Walk down the dock and find themselves onto. It's called the Tiffany. The Tiffany. The Tiffany. Mm-hmm. which is an orca-style vessel, circa, for those of you listeners who have not seen Jaws, orca is the rather beat-up fishing vessel that Quint drives. The Tiffany is a similarly beat-up fishing vessel that is being helmed by the third Lawrence brother. Matthew Lawrence makes his appearance as Jake Hunter. And I gotta say, he is peak 2001 with that soul patch and mm-hmm. that long, stringy hair. It was mm-hmm. like... He looked like 2001 incarnate. So blonde, too. The eyebrows were blonde as hell. Yeah, he's The hair was blonde as hell. Do you think they did this to be like, all right, guys, here's the deal. We've got the other two Lawrence brothers in here who are both brunette, both pretty pasty right now. We need spray tan and blonde hair dye to make one of them look different than everybody else to make them stand apart. Maybe, but it was also mid, you know, like we're, we're just out of the nineties. He might just look like that. Like I that's think fair. he went to the tanny bed. Well, yeah. he, he's been living in Australia, chartering a fishing vessel. It makes sense for story reasons that he would be. I mean, you're well tan. I had a crush on him as a kid and I, I understand why still. It should be noted that on their way down the dock, Michael and Tommy encounter this seemingly random Australian gentleman sitting on a speedboat who is like, good day, mate. And then they have that weird exchange mm-hmm. again. Yep. that was very comical. This, we're going to loop back around him because as soon as they get onto the Tiffany, it cuts to this gentleman a second time and his two henchmen with him. And we now have the three stooges circa you lucky dog True. here who are, who are trying to case one of them Michael. was the woman that pickpocketed. Correct, them. yes. Mm-hmm. And they now have a plot, a ploy, mm. to take Michael hostage and get a ransom mm-hmm. and then feed him to sharks. Is yeah. that is that we is that it? Is that the plan? Because yeah. like I guess I just didn't really get what else there was. Like, they already got his wallet with all the money. And the they have cards. access to his identity. They have access to all of his credit cards. They've got everything this dude has to offer. Like, the act of putting a ransom on somebody just feels like so much work. When, like, I mean, maybe you steal his shit, right? Like, I guess the only other thing is, like, take the watch, take the clothes, take the, like, like clean him out if you think he's rich and all of his possessions are valuable. Maybe there's that. But I never really, I was like, you've got most of the value already. Like, it's, it's pretty much, it is a lot of work for, like, what I perceive as low, low value. Well, I think they're going to try and get a mill 
or so from dad. Thinking, yeah, maybe. This guy's loaded. He's probably got rich parents. The thing is, though, he's an adult. It would make more sense if he was a kid and they thought we can hold him for ransom. Because mm-hmm. if, if you have a rich kid, you assume it's not the kid's wealth. It's the parent's wealth. But he's an adult that has a lot of money. And we know that money is his dad's money. But how would you, a passerby, know that he's not rich on his own? Yeah. Like, why would you assume he has inheritance? That is a bit of a leap, isn't it? Versus, like, if it's a kid, well, yeah. Then you know. And well, I, I, they're, mm. they are not good bad guys. I had such high hopes. I really wanted this trio to be a good bad guy trio. And this their introduction, at least one of them seems sinister. But I'm not going to lie. I was let down. No. Probably one of the most disappointing things about this movie is that this trio was not like a good a good villain. They were all sort of no, the blundering. The disappointing thing is that they threatened sharks multiple times and there are no sharks. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep, that's it. We found it. There it is. <laughs> After we get this little trio villain moment, we cut back to the Tiffany where Captain Jake is walking th- Tommy and Michael through what I think are incredibly reasonable rules of the ship. But well, you all, you missed an important part where Michael is like, you swindled me because you promised me a luxury yacht and this is a piece of shit and I'm not going to go on this boat. And he's like, okay, I'm leaving without you. Uh, and then they end up of course on the boat, but there's already that we're, we're establishing immediately that there is tension between mm-hmm. Jake and Michael and, once again, Michael is a pretentious asshole mm-hmm. and Jake isn't taking any of his shit. Because again, Jake is just Tommy. Yeah. This From is going to be movie. reinforced, as Alan said, with very strict rules, which Andy even said, sorry, Michael, God damn it. Tommy even <laughs> who says. Who are they? <laughs> we don't know who they are. <laughs> ah! uh, I said the right person and then the wrong character. <laughs> and <laughs> It's anyway, the young one, the, the, the young one, the small boy, <laughs> the small boy. <laughs> they start getting the rules. And what's what, what felt a little off character for me was that Tommy even says after he's laying out, like, here are the rules. Here's how you operate, whatever. Tommy says, like, God, is he a captain or is he a warden? And I was like, no, like, this is you, bro. Like, he's you, except he's on a boat instead of on a ranch. Like, you were this guy last movie. You were like, this is how the horses work. You must do it this way. He's not paying attention to the rules. Like, I'm going to, you know, prank him because he has to learn how to do the thing. And now uh, Jake Hunter is being the exact same guy, right? And he's mm-hmm. like, this is how the boat works. This is what you call it. This is where you do this, blah, blah. And he's like, God, is he a captain or a warden? I'm like, no, he's you. Like, <laughs> Maybe he's just trying to relate to Michael. Maybe, yeah. But, but it felt a little out of character for it, for yeah. Tommy. who we, We've always known Tommy to be like, he doesn't give a shit what Michael thinks. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he does, but not in a like, he, he is a stickler. And of the two, Tommy is the one that would more realistically understand why there are rules of safety on a boat versus Michael, who's probably only been on luxury yachts and, you know, does whatever he wants. Right. Mm -hmm. And like just to reinforce that is it's I, I would also imagine that Tommy would understand that the rules being outlined aren't that outlandish. Mm -hmm. They are just very simple safety rules. It's not like you're saying like you have to go to bed at 6 p.m. 
Right. If you're not in bed by 6 p.m., I will throw you off the boat. Like, it's not it's not this ridiculous thing. It's just, hey, if we're doing something on rocky waters, wear a life vest. Please don't come to the captain's quarters while I'm driving unless I ask you to. Like, it's, it's just pretty standard shit. Mm-hmm. From here, we go to a mini montage of Tommy and Michael getting re- prepped and ready for fishing. And this is when we see Michael begin to make a lot of calls with his stupid headset thing that he's got in his ear. <laughs> mm-hmm. That stupid, stupid headset from 2001 and the right ear and the microphone that sort of dingle dangles down into his flip phone. And he's talking with, I, I, I suppose, a series of contacts and friends of either his, himself or his father from their relationship asking for jobs. And I only caught this one. It was like, I was thinking of something more at the executive level. You're 23. Do you know, what, wait, 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 do you know the second line of that one? Because I actually was wondering what you all thought it was a reference to. He said, I was thinking of something more at the executive level. I don't want to be driving a tour tram. I heard that. And I thought, huh, I wonder what that's a reference you, to. Is think- this a universal dig? Is it a, like, like now I know what all the tour, like there's a WB tour, right? Like, but. I don't know how many there were at the time. Hmm. Yeah, maybe he's calling somebody at Universal because he does live in L.A. I mean, it would be a little weird for a Disney movie to, like, make that reference. But they definitely said, I don't want to be driving a tour tram. And then he also says, he talks to somebody who he says, I hear you're looking for, like, a music producer. And it's like, bro, you're not qualified to do any of these things. This is just meant to be shenanigans, right? Because on that second call with the music producer, Michael catches a fish. And that call is shambles after the fish is being caught and you get Tommy with his like fourth line of the movie saying, Oh, you could have just unplugged the headset. Mm-hmm. I feel like my uh, Tommy's only role here is to do like one liners and things. That's all he's here for. Also, I'm better at fishing than Michael. So, ah, we have recently accrued data to support yeah, that. I was pretty good at it. So, yeah, we also have after this fishing escapade, Jake coming down from the, from the captain's, Wheel wheelhouse? wheelhouse, thank you. The wheelhouse. Coming down from the wheelhouse and saying, hey, we're about to move into a cross current. Pull those lines in. Uh, it's going to get rough out there. The next scene is Tommy taking a sandwich up to the front of the ship, the bow. And you have Michael in a position where I think he should be falling off the ship in rough waters. His feet are off the ship. He's leaning over the ledge. And vomiting mm-hmm. because he is very seasick. Been there. It's not fun. Not a fun feeling. And they interact and you have sort of something like, want a bite of my egg salad sandwich? Let me tell you about things I don't want when I'm vomiting. Eggs. Is egg eggs. salad. And mayonnaise. <laughs> mayonnaise based egg dish. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to make an observation here. Now that we have all three of the Lawrence brothers on screen and they're the only ones talking to each other, they talk the exact same way. It's like the cadence, the intonation, the tone, obviously they're family, but like it was at this moment where I was like, yeah, these are brothers. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I think the older two look a lot alike too. I'd agree with that. Anyway, that was just an observation that I made here. Now that they are so isolated and it's just them on screen talking to one another, it was hard to... That took me out of it a little bit where I'm going, oh, I can just tell you're all brothers now. Well, then mm-hmm. then Alan's favorite part of the movie happens. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, we did. Listen, a, a new candidate 
for Sorcerer Supreme is <laughs> Jake Hunter. <laughs> because as, as he and Tommy are bonding, they're discussing the history, pulling out that gold coin. Jake decides to tell Tommy that there are pirates, modern day pirates, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that there is pirate treasure. And then he does birthday party magician magic and Hell pulls yeah, out does. one of those gold coins from behind Tommy's ear. And Tommy is flabbergasted. He eats it up, man. Hey, Tommy he is all of up. us in this moment, right? Tommy is every single viewer in that moment. No. Where did it come from? No, I, I was not Tommy in this moment. No, no Alan, I... We're, were you tricked by that magic? Oh, I was. I was bamboozled. Uh, no, I'm not sure if you're kidding. Alan, listen, buddy, buddy. It's not. It's okay. I know that Molly and I weren't, but don't be embarrassed, okay? I know you. Also, this is probably why you like the Doctor Strange show so much, is because you actually you you. you were you convinced that was real magic? Listen, or? the only thing that would have made that magic better is math. And the <laughs> fact that we didn't get a math moment with Jake. Yeah, it's sad. It was sad. But oh, it's that's sad. not true. That's not true. He had a sextant. Oh, and the sextant uses math. <sighs> he is just he a, is a modern Doctor, day Doctor Strange. Th- yeah, it's great. Yep. This is um, where we get the introduction of the uh, Jake dad, Tommy dad storyline they are having this bonding moment we learn about jake and his dad finding this gold these gold coins and that they found nine of them but jake only has one left and he found it you know he had been looking for it but it was hidden behind tommy's ear the whole time and (laughs) (laughs) good thing he got on that boat thank god it's been there since they found it we don't know how i got there but um, (laughs) i did like in this moment uh, that they call back to horse sense because Jake finds out that Tommy lives on a ranch and he says, did you, do you own the ranch? And Tommy says, well, not anymore um, because we couldn't afford it. And so we are, I like the callbacks. I like that what happened in horse sense matters and like pays off here and we're building on it a little bit. I just don't like that. Like this is the same story. This is the same story because, spoiler alert, we're going to find out they couldn't afford this damn boat either. And <laughs> that's where the friggin' gold coins went were mm-hmm. to help pay for this boat. So, like, it's the same story. It is. And it is. these two characters are the same. They both have this lost dad stuff. They both couldn't afford the thing that their family business did. For Tommy, it was dad's ranch. For Jake, it's dad's boat. Like, it's... And, and they're both going to come to a head with Michael because he's a Nepo baby that's never had to work for anything. Correct. Except oh, the only difference is now Tommy has fewer lines. And then, and there's one more similarity about how this movie wraps up, but we'll get there when we get there. Oh my God, oh dude, so, I can't wait. I got things to say. Now, when we were, you were talking about callbacks, Max, and I think my favorite callback to the previous film is when you have Tommy and Michael sitting out in the boat as the sun sets. Oh, and yes. Tommy says, you know, this reminds me of the ranch to which I audibly said, the fuck? <laughs> the, the ranch is land they cut, and rolling hills. They cut to a blurry clip of the sunset on, <laughs> over <laughs> the ocean. What? How is it reminds, the ranch? They both have the sun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everything point. reminds Tommy point, of though, the, the ranch. You know what? I didn't think of that. 
They both have the... You didn't think of the solar body in, in the heavens. The sun sets at both places. They both have sky. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, There's no horses that can be named cinnamon here, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Seahorses, no. <laughs> But you could have named a shark cinnamon if we had gotten a goddamn shark in the Imagine, movie. imagine, though. That, that, <laughs> just fucking imagine. I want you to picture with me that scene, them sitting on the back of the boat. They look out over the setting sun. And in a moment of parallel, a pod of dolphins <laughs> comes jumping out of the water. And Jake's like, that one's name is Seafoam. <laughs> that, one, that one's name. And he just names Bubbles. every fucking dolphin. Bubbles. <laughs> we need a mix of like Squeaky. actual, like actual Princess. sea names and then porn yeah. names. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh. but then one's got to be like. Hobag number four. Oh, God. It's got to be some stripper names. Yeah, some stripper names. Even, even better would be if it was the exact same fucking names. Like, oh, dude. Even better Crystal. would be if if the pod of dolphins come by and Jake, like, names them exactly the same names as the horses and you just get up zoom in on Tommy's face as he's like, like a moment of realization strikes him of like, we're the same. And then at one point at the end, one zooms past and he goes, and that one. That one's lightning. <laughs> <laughs> no one can ride her. <laughs> it just has this like scar across his back and a lightning bolt. Oh, and Harry the Potter. fucking movie ends with Michael <laughs> on a fucking dolphin. <laughs> because he's, he's, he's tamed oh a fucking dolphin named lightning. Uh, Holy this shit. This is a balls, better balls. movie. Like Why didn't we this. get this script? <laughs> Oh, oh shit! I'd love it so much. I didn't much. think we could improve upon pirates, but we I, have. <laughs> yeah, because that is what happens next. We have pirates. I'm so disappointed show up. at no point they cut their hand open and poured blood over the over the gold and became zombies. Like, <laughs> no, they you better start believing in ghost stories, Tommy. <laughs> You're in one. <laughs> Why isn't there a friendly monkey? I don't know. Right, <laughs> friendly monkey is a bit of a stretch. It is a zombie monkey, and it is scary. Who also named Jack? Anyway. What happens next is the pirates who had been plotting, I guess is the best word, pull up on the Tiffany. It is noticed by Jake, who has the hearing abilities of a bat and is able to hear a boat motor from many nautical miles away. Here's the plan. Tommy, Tommy Michael, put on some life vests, abandon ship. And I'll lose them in the island cluster we're in. Which, let's get back to the feasibility of that in just a moment. When Jake is explaining the plan, they're in the wheelhouse. Why are he and Michael so close together? God, they're all so close. (laughs) They are. You're right. They are so close together. Like, they are inches from the other one's face. I was like, (laughs) why is this shot this way? Like... Oh, what are we? Tr- what are we doing here? Like in some intimacy, but like it's balancing. But they're some brothers, bro- some brotherly love, if you will. I hear you. But he's like, I, it, it was annoying me because I was like, I wouldn't want anyone to speak that close to my face. <laughs> they were and yet very they close. Literally, like whispering. He's like, what do you mean? There's pirates, and it's like he's three inches from from Jake's mouth, and I was like, get away from him. Yeah, we skipped. The, they fought them off once. Right. I mean, oh, they the, yeah. the pirates actually got to the boat and they like 
kicked them off the boat and like and pop his uh and, and, pop uh, the inflatable boat yeah oh right 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 anchor that is correct yeah because they they send in the smallish the small boy boat first mm-hmm. there is a like george of the jungle on the ocean-esque fight scene with jake swinging from the wheelhouse and kicking one and then slicing the boat up with like this grappling hook moment right that yes i kind of like that they so they showed um earlier they had showed tommy swinging on this like monkey fist rope and he was like jumping off the boat and then later you get this like swing around on the same rope that like kicked the pie i kind of like that that they like established this rope oh jake made this thing and then later they pay it off in this like kind of pseudo fight scene but yeah basically they have like a small fight that then gives them a moment to have a plan and and the plan is abandon two of them on an island. I will also say the sheer volume of times they said the word pirate <laughs> in this movie, specifically in this 360 second span. If you were playing a drinking game where you had to take a, a beverage, a shot of a beverage every time they said pirate, you would be cross-eyed drunk by the end of this film because it is so frequent that we Mm. talk about pirates. The mini boy boat is left into the ocean. Somehow the pirates get another one magically. We don't ever know if they go back and refuel, but they have another magical tiny boy boat later on. They bring little boats out of nowhere. Yeah. This whole time. They they have a fleet. Yeah. (laughs) Of inflatable dinghies. Like they (laughs) just have so many. A pirate fleet. (laughs) It's so many small boats. After they fall back, big, big man, so you have the in the trio. Let's talk about the trio of pirates quickly, just to establish them. You have smart man, dumb man, lady friend, also there. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't really give her a lot of development, other than like she does. Did did they give any of them? development? I don't think Absolutely they not. really developed no. any of these characters. There the, there is the leader there, and then there's the two henchmen. Right, and one's a hench woman, and hench one's you. a hench woman. Mm-hmm. Sure. So leader leaves his two hench people. In the water as leader speeds towards Tiffany. There's actually a shot of him just like one of the one of the henchmen flailing in the water comically, and leader just going right by. And this is when the plan is hatched. Eventually, Tommy and Michael accept the plan, leap from the boat, and, and do they black out because Michael like comes to on <laughs> on the shore. With a crab yeah, in his I don't face. Know. I'm like, what? did you not realize what was happening? It's like a weird wake-up. It was scene. like they got shipwrecked, but they didn't. Yeah. The willingly shipwrecked. Well, literally, that does happen later. <laughs> we have uh, Jake willingly scuttle his boat, which is to say willingly sink the boat, because after you have the moment of Tommy and Michael waking up on the beach... Well, there's a, there's a little bit before Jake scuttles the boat. There's, like, enough of a, like can we survive on this island for yeah. a few days moment? And it's clear that Michael doesn't know how to survive on an island, but they do figure out how to get coconuts and drink coconut milk. And they find the temple of doom from Indiana Jones. Well, mm-hmm. well we have like the, the, the reason we find out about the boat being scuttled is it cuts to the pirates after you have Michael and Tommy wake up. They have a series of scenes that I think are just an excuse to have Joey Lawrence with the shirt off. Honestly, like mm. we had the, the entire fishing scene, a lot of this like gallivanting through the through the jungle, 
the nearly falling to his death in the Temple of Doom, because this is an Indiana Jones movie, as you mentioned. They see a snake, and that snake uh, was paid well because that snake didn't move for 45 minutes of film or multiple days. And when they go back into the Temple of Doom at the end of the movie, same snake. Still right there. there. Still there. Yeah, still there. Uh, can- canonically, 10 days later, because we will have a rolling day counter at the bottom of the screen throughout their, their time on the island. It. This is the point in the movie where I thought to myself, the other weird thing, uh, again, this feels just like a remake of the first movie. But the weirdest thing was, is that I felt like Orson's was pretty grounded. Like that movie was a pretty grounded film, right? Like it was like, it, it was pretty hyperbolic about Los Angeles, but once it relocated to the ranch, it was about like hard work. You had some good like characters, but it was about working on a farm, the horses, like getting up early, putting in the hard labor. There was some antics, but like generally speaking, it was a grounded movie about like not enough money to run a family thing and like what you do to do that and like the lessons learned in doing a hard day's work. And this movie has quite literally jumped the shark. Like mm-hmm. it is so insane totally when you compare it to horse sense, like a very grounded film about like family and, and tough work to like, there are shrunken heads in a fucking cave. Like it is wild. How far we have swung the pendulum in terms of tone of these two movies. And we're supposed to do the same message, right? Because the entire setup of this Island is at least this first bit is to establish Michael is shit at survival, cannot spearfish, cannot build a shelter, cannot navigate the jungle. And then they happen upon Jake who sort of surprises them there. And after a little bit of a falling out again between Jake and Michael, where Tommy decides to go with his clone, Jake, back to the actual setup, we learn that Jake does know how to set up and survive, does have an entire feast set up, is sheltered, has a plan, is putting in the hard work, basically just being Tommy again, back in his own shelter now, leaving, abandoning Michael to the jungles, which I have is a, wild. I have a question. On a scale of Michael to Jake, how well do you think you could survive if you got shipwrecked on an island? I feel pretty confident. I also feel confident. Like, could you spearfish? Mm-hmm. Given enough time and resources, yeah. I mean, I've never done it before, but I've done a lot of camping in my life. I've done a lot of, like, survival learning kind of stuff an island would be a different environment for me most of my stuff was mountain based but i i feel pretty confident in my ability to survive you're a boy scout so um eagle yeah Yeah. eagle scouts i feel like you could survive yeah how do you how do you feel most i think i could be better than michael (laughs) it's not a high bar but we we cleared it bar but yeah i feel like i I'm too competitive to die on the island. So I would figure something mm, out. I'm fighting nature fight itself. Nature. I will beat this landmass in I, the ocean. As I've just established, I'm very good at fishing now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, you'd have to make your own fishing pole and hook or spear. I would go with the spear. I think mm. I think I could like f- figure something out. I'm not an idiot, but I don't know that I, I could agree, like. Yeah. I don't know that I'd know how to build a shelter. I think I'd probably look for a land-made shelter, like some kind of cave or cave. something. Yeah. I do want to pause for a moment about this fight that Michael and Jake have. Did it just seem senseless to you? 
this like being all, stubborn about this senseless bullshit. All of them seem senseless to me. So yes, it's the it. same. I mean, it's it's the same fight we've already seen, right? It it once again, it is like you have an authority on a subject, be it the ranch or survival, who knows how things are run. And then you have someone that thinks very highly of themselves and has a lot of pride and thinks they know well, even though they don't know fucking anything. And he is uh, not taking well to authority or expertise. And it will take him a moment to realize he is wrong and then give in to authority, which is exactly what happened in horse sense <laughs> and is exactly what will happen in this movie. Uh, it, the, the beats that we follow Michael through in the jungle are, are comical. They also set up beats that'll happen later. So at least you get some payoff. He falls into quicksand, which makes the, did you guys catch after he pulls himself out of the quicksand? He being Michael, the lizard that was observing him laughs. I yeah, did write that down. There's mm-hmm. a lizard, and he goes. And he goes <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I did too. Uh, it's already crazy. Oh. you might as well have the lizard laugh, it, right? Like that's the it. least of our worries. Michael goes and flails about in the ocean and delivers this iconic decom line of, "Why'd you do this to me, Tommy?" <laughs> Before collapsing on the beach and having a a wet dream. He had a wet dream after he collapsed on the beach. Oh, the yeah, he did. <laughs> and he was like, I, I was so confused about where this was going, but we just watched a 23-year-old man have a wet dream. He was hallucinating <laughs> about a model being like, I'm shooting an ad here, and I saw you. Are you single? Like, it's it was everyone with you as handsome as you are? Do you believe in love at first sight? Dude, it was wild. And then a pig wakes him up. What a weird, like, cameo? From the pig? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Also, if there are pigs on the island, let's talk about some easy living. Yeah, I would say, if I was, I would not be fishing anymore. I would be uh, catching that pig. Yeah, we got pigs. We're in a BBQ. Yeah. That's jerky for days. That is bones. How many pigs are there? Can I start a pig farm? Right. Can I'm, we, can I'm we, set. Right. Yeah, 100%. Build a pin, domesticate those sons of guns, and you're mm-hmm. set. It is this wet dream that brings Michael to post nut clarity. And he, <laughs> 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 oh, you're so right, though. And he just decided in this moment, I can't do this. Yeah. And it's it's reinforced when we cut to <laughs> And it's reinforced. That's when correct. Jake and Tommy are having their bonding moment and they go out and they are trying to spearfish. And there's a new spearfishing lesson because Jake actually knows how to do it. But what what occurs during the spearfishing montage is there is crocodile, mm-hmm. I think, in the mm-hmm. ocean approaching them. Michael has come to try to reunite the Lawrence trio, sees the crocodile from the vantage point atop the hill and runs screaming to try to tell them to get out of the water. Is this a crocodile Dundee thing? Is that why there's a crocodile here? Because Australians are cartoons, according to this movie. Well, earlier there was a crocodile Dundee joke. Yeah, he dre- he dressed like Crocodile Dundee. And then he's like, only if he shops on Rodeo Drive, because I'm sure uh-huh. that hat was $1,000. But yeah, I think this is a 
Australia joke with the crocodiles. And like, I get it. There are lots of crocodiles there, but we are in the ocean. So if only there was another notorious sea-based creature that could have been involved in this scene. That's not a crocodile, which notoriously does not live in the ocean. Jellyfish? I like that. Jellyfish is good. Mm -hmm. Jellyfish. I think Mm -hmm. that's what we're looking for here. That's what I was thinking Jellyfish. Yeah. That's good thinking, Molly. I think that you, I think you have something there. Yeah. And, but also. Well done. I couldn't have thought of a better thing. You are smart to come up with such a a creative answer. Well done. Like jellyfish, but also, (laughs) also. An octopus. Well, not as dangerous. Giant squid, maybe. Oh, a giant squid. Very interesting, Molly. Well done. A second great. What if it was just those amoebas that kill you? (laughs) They're barely visible. Oh, (laughs) the little itty bitty box jellyfish? Yeah. Also, though, like, they really could have leaned heavier into the creatures because most of the creatures in the world that can kill you do live in Australia. So I feel like they could have leaned harder into this and had more snakes and spiders and like drop bears. I would have really enjoyed that more. I wish there's a kangaroo on the island. Um, got, you know what we got instead? An emu. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, why did okay, I get an emu? To I, their yeah, credit. I, I don't want that. Um, but, but, what do, but what do you want? Is it the giant squid? Yeah, it's the jellyfish. You guys got <laughs> me. Yeah, I want, it, I want the stingray like Steve. Like, oh, wow. Okay. wow. Too dangerous? <laughs> Rest in peace. All right, peace, Steve. Oh my God, I saw this really sad meme the other day and it was like a cartoon. I don't know, not a meme. It was like a sad cartoon and it was the the Stingray and Steve Irwin uniting in heaven and it was like the Stingray was like, I'm sorry, buddy. And he's like, it's a, Steve Irwin's like, it's okay, mate. You got scared. It's all good. And I was like crying. <laughs> looking at this cartoon. Wow. <laughs> of a Stingray. It's very sad. It was very Speaking sad. of things that I've just seen popping around at, uh, or on day of recording, this is going to really date this, but like, I've been seeing a lot of stuff about Matt Warren's dating Chili from TLC here lately. Yeah. And uh, uh. how have we not talked about that yet? Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> Interesting point. Interesting point. Yeah. Um, so about the giant squid, jellyfish, mm-hmm. and octopus. Okay. Probably a shark is what you want. Uh. I've never mentioned sharks. <laughs> <laughs> my whole life. I don't even not know what time. sharks are. Neither has the movie. The next thing that happens is even crazier than choosing a crocodile over a shark, and that's that for some reason Jake Hunter fights it. Dude, <laughs> what the fuck, man? As this is by the way, why did just get out of the water? Just get out of the water. He throws a rock at him. He tries to spearfish it twice unsuccessfully. Well, no shit. He's got a bamboo stick that he carved into a spear and he thinks he's gonna fucking fight a dinosaur with it. I just, I, I don't get. This man is not smart. He goes full caveman, and f- I don't. Where the fuck did he find the rock? Like that's my other question. It's, it's been this beautiful, pristine sea bottom up until then. Until he produces he, rock, he just like superpower rock. Hey, he's already established he can do close up magic, so he just. <laughs> a rock. It was behind Tommy's was ear behind the whole time. Tommy's ear. It was behind the crocodile's ear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just produces it. Do crocodiles have ears? Yeah. I they have ears. That they do. They're, they're itty bitty ear holes in the sides of their they're head. Ear holes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <sighs> everyone knows that you just need to get out of the water. So. Just get out of the water. Right. Uh, I do want to take a moment and pause here to acknowledge some of the crazy camera shots and camera techniques that have been utilized. We have the, the chaos that is getting out of the water. And then earlier, which we sort of skipped over, we mentioned the emu, which led to Michael and uh, Tommy rolling down a hill. And I think 
somebody put a camera in a in sort of like one of those sockum boppers and rolled the camera down the hill too because it got the rolling. Mm. We also missed Jake giving Tommy his stuff. And in his stuff, he finds a package. Oh, and yeah. And he's like, my mom must have put this in here. And it's a present. Mm. And he opens it, and it's a beautifully carved wooden frame with a photo of him and his dad sitting on the bench that is very symbolic from Horse Sense because it's the bench he and his dad would sit on on the ranch. And he's like, oh, Mark? Mark. 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 New dad must have carved this because he really likes woodworking. And it furthers the bond of Jake and Tommy because Jake's like, wow, he must really care about you. That's a really nice frame. And it is. It's a very lovely gesture. But why would the mom put that in his suitcase? On the trip to Australia across <laughs> Why wouldn't she just give that to him at the ranch? I, I, ugh, I don't. For this moment, right? In the yeah. script. And You know, I do have to say that this isn't Matthew Lawrence's first time dealing with daddy issues that oh we've my seen. God. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because is this happening? Where I first knew oh. Matthew Lawrence from, it was playing young Chris Hillard in Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where he's getting a new dad named Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> uh character of course, Stu Dunmire. And Pierce Brosnan, known for a lot of things. Uh most notably though, I think we can all agree is playing Sam in Mamma Mia. <laughs> Ah, yeah, that is most notably what Pierce Brosnan's. I am having for. a physical reaction. Uh, another one of what? the the suitors, the potential fathers in Mamma Mia, Bill, played by Stellan Starsgard, uh, is also very well known, I'm sure, amongst all of us, as playing Doctor Selvig in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Makes a quick appearance in. Thor, Love, and Thunder, which I know we all just love. Great movie. Saw it together. <laughs> yeah. Definitely didn't Would fall asleep all. <laughs> Yeah. We all were awake we the all entire were awake time. We all were awake the whole time, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but you know what? One of my favorite parts in the Thor movies, no cap, and I'm not talking about Captain America, no cap as they used to say, is when they have the reenactments of Thor, uh-huh. and they have Matt Damon and uh, the other Hemsworth, and most notably to me, Sam Neill plays Odin in, in the story. <laughs> but I think we all truthfully know Sam Neill the best as Dr. Alan Grant, the hero of the Jurassic Park films. Mm-hmm. And I was so pleased that he decided to come back for Jurassic World Dominion, which people hated. I loved it. It was campy and it was fan service and I was here for it. And mm. you know who we have to thank for some of that amazing film is the director of photography, John Schwartzman. Wouldn't have been the same movie without him. That beautiful shot of the T-Rex going into the circle and making the logo. Thank you, John. John was also the director of photography on the hit film Armageddon. Of course oh. he was. And uh, you know who else brings a story to life is the costume designer. What would Armageddon be without those wow. amazing spacesuits? Wow. And we can thank Michael Kaplan for that. Thanks, he, Michael. He did a great job. But this is not his only time working with space-related costumes, as he was also the costume designer for the Star Wars saga, episodes 7, 8, and 9. The mm. most recent Star Wars trilogy, which mm. I think we all know, saw the finality of the story of one Luke Skywalker, played True. by Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. who made a brief cameo appearance 
with the help of CGI, shocking to my mother, in The Mandalorian. He did? <laughs> he did indeed. But most importantly in The Mandalorian. Oh, we got Pedro Pascal. Daddy. Yeah. Is played mm-hmm. by Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. And ironically, he also played Daddy in The Last of Us. It's very weird how the same actor played the same mm-hmm. role in two very different scenes. Mm-hmm. But I have it here in my notes that he played Daddy in both of those things. True. Yeah. And of course, it's in the credits. we can't have Daddy without Mommy. So we got to shout out Ashley Johnson, who plays Anna, Ellie's mother. Mm-hmm. But Ashley Johnson, when she was younger, was the voice actress for Gretchen Grundler. Do you guys know what cartoon that is? Gretchen Grundler. I'm sure you watched it. She's a Hey Arnold. Because we had Hey Arnold last week. It was Recess. 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 She was one of the principal characters on Recess, along with another character named TJ, who was voiced by Andy Lawrence. But wait, did you know that Joey Lawrence also made his voice known as Franklin for one episode of Recess? which means I got all three Lawrence brothers into that Armageddon. Nice. Well done. Well done. You've been Armageddon, Claps. the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. Can we talk about Daddy now instead of the rest of this movie? Yes. You just want to start talking about Pedro Pascal? <laughs> I would like to talk and more about Pedro welcome Pascal. Welcome to the Daddy Podcast. <laughs> Who would you rather, Daddy? Ellie or Baby Yoda? Discuss. <laughs> okay. Well, Grogu is less complicated, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, we have, after this near-death experience, a bonding between these three gentlemen. And they're never going to fight again. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, well, yes, they do. We get, as this bonding is happening, Michael actually apologizes. It is sincere because now we're showing growth the second time in the same fucking way. Mm-hmm. And then... But now we get a really good montage. Legitimately, this is the best montage of the movie. Well, well pre-montage, what we get is, a, and I need we need to acknowledge it because, and it's going to be abrupt, just like it was in the film. Distress flare. All right, that's it. Now, certainly not going to come back and be important later when we have a shot of distress flare, Michael pulling it out of a container, and Jake saying, don't do that, that's our only one. Mm-hmm. Then montage. Yeah, there's a really nice montage now of them doing island things, like catching fish and getting coconuts and doing shirtless stuff and it takes days it's like they're just going through the days and they're playing this song that's like having some fun 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 and i was like this is a a crazy song for you might die stranded on an island and never see your family again like they really are making it fun 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 to possibly be on this island forever i dude it i was so flabbergasted i remember looking at mommy like okay we just had a moment prior to montage where tommy's like what if we never make it off this island? I hope my mom knows I love her. To right. fun, fun, fun in the sun, sun, sun. That's right. I love what? That. I love a montage, and this one <laughs> did not disappoint. It is true. After ten days on the island, we get near immediate payoff of that uh, of that distress flare because we get super grainy zoomed in footage of a fighter jet. No, it's a commercial airline. Oh, it's very difficult to tell because it's just one big blur of something flying in the sky. And Tommy and Michael can see this, 
apparently, and hear it. It's very loud, breaking the sound barrier almost. And Michael runs off to grab the distress flare. Jake emerges onto the scene and is like, that thing's 30,000 feet up in the air. It's not going to see a distress flare down here. It's not going to see you. Logical. Solid point. And he is unable to stop Michael as he pulls the distress flare, which is going to lead to the biggest conflict between Jake and Michael to date. Where we have Jake do the same you've never had to work for anything in your life moment that Tommy had in horse sense. Yep, this is the same movie. The difference is this time is that flare was seen by those pirates. Mm -hmm. And those pirates now know the exact location of our heroes. Oh my God. This is this is when things really sort of start to come to a head. Pirates make their approach. The trio sees the pirates uh, set foot on the island. They decide now's the time to run. They put forth their sail made of Michael's very expensive clothes that they've sewn together and put on a mast and they get they take to the seas where they're pursued and they're shot at by a flare gun. That, that hits the, <laughs> hits the sail and combusts. <laughs> like there's actual guns in this movie, but they don't use those. They shoot a flare gun at the sail mm-hmm. and catch it on fire, which leads to all of the brothers falling off this raft. The only brother who is I'm I'm sorry, the only individual who has a life jacket on is Tommy. And Michael and Jake abandon him <laughs> to the you. depths of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And Tommy is taken hostage mm-hmm. by the pirates. Yeah, and they literally just like... They just leave him. Leave him. Ab- he's, yeah, what the fuck, man? Because they can't get his life jacket off. Right. They can't get his life... So they're like, all right, deuces. And they must have the lung capacity of Olympic swimmers. <laughs> yeah, True. What the what? what? They they are free diving experts with the amount of time they spend underwater here to avoid pursuit. They being Jake and Michael, they avoid pursuit from the henchmen. Find an underwater cave, and this is when like this zany plot begins to happen. You also get an incredibly dark line when pirates take Andy. Oh my god, uh, Tommy hostage. He's like, they're not going to come or whatever. They're like, they will when they hear you screaming in pain. And I was like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, like, takes, but then they, they they do treat him very sadly. They don't beat him or anything. They make him mop the they deck. They make him mop the deck. And then one of them grabs his face and he's like, you clean that deck up, boy. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Feels unnecessary. Okay. He was already doing the job. He was. <laughs> what the hell, you, man? You interrupted him. Like, you, you're, you're the one causing the delay. <laughs> We interrupted him. <laughs> um, and then we have Michael and Jake having to work together. Who would have thought the two characters who have been antagonistic towards each other now have the dead weight removed and have to work together? <laughs> We'd really be better as a pair. Well, let's leave him with the pirates. It's fine. Well, it all work itself out. Jake admits that he hated the boat. He didn't like it at all. He only did it because it was his dad's dream, which uh, I'll admit is a little bit different than 
Tommy. They gave him that little bit of difference, I suppose. Uh-huh, but boy, does it make the ending so much better. Dude, the ending <laughs> wild. That's true. I didn't even thought. I hate the boat. I didn't want to work on it. I didn't want to charter. I only did it because it's my dad's dream. I scuttled it. And they, the two geniuses, come up with a brilliant plan for Michael to go out and just make himself apparent to the pirates and through his wily charm convince the pirates that he might not be able to get them all the wealth but I found this coin you see and I can show you where the rest of these coins are on the island and this is more valuable than me and you have to swear that if I take you to these coins you're going to let Tommy go and the pirates see nothing wrong with this. It seems like a reasonable plan to well, them. They are pirates. pirates. Michael knows it's going to work because he knows greedy people. Mm. Yeah. And also it's science and it's the law of pirates that you have to go after gold doubloons. Mm-hmm. Ah, buried treasures a must have. I as saw a pirate. it in the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Yep. Tommy is let go. He runs down the beach to find Jake. They share an embrace all while... Michael begins leading the pirates, main leader pirate and lady henchman pirate to the treasure while other henchman goes back and watches the boat. Mm -hmm. Michael takes them back to the temple of doom Mm -hmm. and in a bit of stellar acting leads him to the pit where he had fallen earlier and says, it's right over that ledge steps out of the way allowing Lady Hinchman and Leader Man to stand in front of him to look over the ledge, and then he pushes them. No, first he, he jump scares them. Oh, right, right, right. With because the, with the they've heads. rigged the, the shrunken heads on a rope, and as they get in position, he pulls the rope, releasing shrunken heads, and they're scared. I just love that their plan to take down people wielding legitimate Guns. handguns Guns. is to spook them. But he should yeah. have said, nice job to the snake who was holding his position <laughs> strong from 40 really minutes should have. earlier. Really should have. Gold he should have used the snake. The snake. I'm just it's... disappointed you didn't use the snake in your Armageddon here, Molly. Yeah. Yeah, who was <laughs> He was I mean, also the best in... actor in the whole he film. He was in Indiana Jones, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he one of He's the appeared snakes. in Walt Disney's Jungle Cruise. Uh... <laughs> he was in Jumanji. Uh... Uh... <laughs> so... I actually had that question. I was like, this dude has a gun. Why isn't he like shooting? And I had that question a lot throughout this, this next sequence. He could have so, killed him so quickly. So fast. Or like shot him in the leg. I, yeah, I think he needs him for his <laughs> ransom plan. He probably needs him alive. But yeah, shoot him in the leg. You don't, you don't need him not injured. Yeah, 100%. While Michael is leading the crew to the treasure and spooking them and having them fall in, you know, an entirely reasonable plan. You have Tommy and Jake going to hijack the boats. Now, Jake was smart and cut the gas line to the tiny boat that they have a fleet of. And then went and <laughs> Tommy delivers this stellar line as he wields a mop against a much bigger henchman. He says, ah, gee, I see some scum I forgot to wipe off. Whack. And nice. he <laughs> clocks henchman in the head with a mop. And the henchman flies off the boat. Jake and Tommy hijack the boat, take it to go find Michael, where Michael is now sprinting. There's a lot of Michael running. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very, very Jack Sparrow. Long chase scene. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it, like this gave me. 
especially when the man size. not 30 feet behind him is wielding a handgun. It, Running it with a handgun out much, invisible. Much fa- longer than you'd expect it to in mm-hmm. that scenario. 100%. So as he's running, Michael realizes he's not going to be able to make it onto the boat. And Jake is trying to keep a promise he made to Michael to keep Tommy safe. And then Tommy somehow in a split second convinces Jake that this is a bad idea. We need to rescue Michael because plot. And Michael shouts, go to Everest, which is a previously established location on this island that is the highest point on the island. And begins, they begin boating and Michael begins sprinting. And this takes leader, hinge, leader man through all of the different pitfalls that Michael has been through earlier. Most importantly, quicksand. He gets out mm. of that quicksand real fast, though. I, I thought this was just i was actually disappointed by this i know we we call it the quicksand i was actually disappointed it wasn't quicksand in my mind it was just a mud hole um <laughs> but as i you know as, as children quicksand is such a, a well-established uh danger that i think mm-hmm. all of us expected to be more of a problem in our lives and really hasn't popped up as much as i expected it to true and so when michael quickly just pulled himself out to the you know delight of the lizard earlier i was disappointed that it it wasn't quicksand it seemingly was just mud and uh seemingly once again but maybe it is maybe it isn't they both got out of it pretty easily leader gets out of the quicksand chases michael to the top of everest michael jumps slow-mo jumps from the top of everest Mm. plunges into the water below and then and now now is the time when the leader of the pirates decides to use the gun mm-hmm. and it has become because of the quicksand, a super soaker. It has also I don't know that that's how guns work. It's not it how isn't. guns work it isn't at, at all. all. <laughs> not even a little bit. I do like the no. Oh, the drama club yeah. scream. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. The three of them unite back on the boat. They celebrate their success and they, call in the coast guard i thought that they were going to do uh a delayed murder by leaving those pirates on that island Mm. but instead jake makes the call to the coast guard and says i've got some pirates here for you to arrest yeah pick them up we wind up back at the same dock now michael's dad and tommy's mom are there and jules are there uh, uh, must have missed that scene where they decided to fly across the globe. I mean, what are you? I guess what is not clear to me, I thought that this whole time, part of the reason why it was up for debate if they would be found is that they were supposed to be at a, excuse me, that they were supposed to be at a resort. Right. And so I I was surprised to see them there. I wouldn't be, if, if their kids were missing, obviously, but I, I guess my thought of like why no one is looking for them is that they were supposed to be at a resort for two weeks and so no one is expecting to hear from them like i i was a little surprised to see them there as well but but, we but not super surprised yeah we yeah. lost the phone now i guess because they were gone for 10 days the resort was like these people never showed up maybe, maybe. that's the it's rationale easy to explain away but yeah. maybe jake called someone in too like before he scuttled oh the sure well, it would take a day for anyone to get there. But yeah. but we have this reunion at the dock. Michael and Tommy introduce Jake to the family. Jake is quickly accepted in. And they say, why don't you go join us all for lunch? And we go to the lunch scene mm-hmm. where 
Michael shows up because he's done some working off screen. But mm-hmm. but first of all, before you get into that, which is very important. Yeah, no, no. But on. not as important as Jake's tiny ponytail. <laughs> oh, right. He's pulled that long, stringy, 90, uh, early 2000s hair back into the tiniest little nub ponytail. And yeah, it had me itty-bitty. giggling because I was like, it's so weird. It is we love a little nubby ponytail. <laughs> it is 2001. We love a little nubby <laughs> ponytail, man. <laughs> Michael comes back from off screen having gone and be like, hey, they were going to auction away that boat. But Uh instead, I took our reward money for what? Uh Who knows? Who knows what the fuck they got rewarded for? I took our reward money. And for, I, well, for now on the pirates, that's uh, what they got. Right, that's right. what they got rewarded for. Good to know. I didn't realize that there was a bounty. Yeah, out on it pirates. was for now on the pirates. Yeah. So they get the reward money for the pirates, and Michael takes all of their, the uh-huh. three of them, all uh-huh. of their reward money uh-huh. and buys the boat so that uh-huh. they can form a business together which would uh-huh. only be legitimate for two of the three of them because tommy's a minor uh-huh. and form a business to do what jake doesn't want to do mm-hmm. which uh-huh. is charter boats mm-hmm. uh-huh and jake is happy uh-huh and jake's getting screwed in all of this because uh-huh. they're allegedly going even splitsies on this uh-huh yet only jake is going to live in australia and run the entire business uh-huh and yet somehow the 14 year old and the guy <laughs> going back to la are gonna make as much money as him uh-huh, uh-huh. after michael stole their money uh-huh. and bought a boat michael has committed financial fraud he has Nothing stolen like- their money Nothing like Michael making sweeping decisions with other people's property at the end of a movie. Am I right? Yeah. Like, even this is the same. (laughs) I just couldn't. I was like, I thought, because, of course, Michael's dad is like, oh, does that mean you're moving to Australia? And I thought the answer for sure was going to be, yeah, I'm going to run this I'm going to help run this thing. I found opportunity. I found a job. I thought it was going to be like, you know, Jake knows all about boating and and fishing but i know about luxury experiences so we can like together run this thing but no he's like no dad i want that file clerk job the fuck is back in la and i just thought man jake is getting so screwed here jake is getting so screwed Jake has already established he didn't want to be running on a boat. And now he is the lone member of a job with two people that, by the way, he's known for less than two weeks, one of which (laughs) is 14 years old. And he's going to be splitting a job three ways. And he's the only one doing any work. It is unbelievable how bad a deal it is for him. Yeah. Like the... There's so many better ways to end this movie. Why wouldn't he just buy him a boat? I, right. I have literally, again, Michael making sweeping decisions with other people's property. This is the same as him riding in at the last minute being like, hey, your ranch doesn't belong to you anymore. You can still live on it and work on it, but it belongs to the state. Um, I know you didn't agree to that, but I worked it out for you. Like, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. At least in that one, they had wanted to stay on the ranch. It's true. At at least in that one, Aunt Jules wasn't like, you know what? I'm secretly relieved. I didn't actually like this. (laughs) Right. 
I just, I just don't get it, man. Like there's so, by the way, folks, that's how the movie ends. It fades to black on the three of these people, strangers really, who have been trapped together. Well, distant relatives and stranger have decided to go into business together where the stranger among them is getting absolutely porked because he has to do everything. Maybe we're supposed to be endeared to it because we know they're brothers, but like it doesn't make any sense in the, in the movie world. Not in the slightest, but we fade to black and we get some really peppy music. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and we wish the three of them success. And mostly I wish that I I hope that Jake is able to get some rest because boy, he needs to take it while I can get it because he's going to be working hard. It's for a true. while and that's uh that's jumping ship everybody we did it welcome welcome back to a little bit of a different nostalgia hug so let's talk about our ratings molly what do you got you know for all its nonsense i loved it <laughs> <laughs> i loved it i i loved horse sense i didn't love this one quite as much as horse sense which you know what it was primed for me to like it as much as horse sense. Cause if there's one thing I like as much as horses, it's sharks, but we didn't get those. So I give it a seven. Oh, okay. Which is high, but you know what? After the last few, I've, I've been sad and at least I like these characters and at least it's funny and rompy when it should be funny and rompy. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same movie we already watched, but I, I wish Michael was a better person already. I wish we didn't have the exact same plot, but mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I say I'm going to second most of what Molly said, which is that like, I think this movie is fun. It felt like a warm hug, as we said at the beginning. Um, I love the inclusion of Matt Lawrence because I do like the chemistry of these three brothers. Um, it's he is a he's a great addition but it's also the same film i've already watched but to a level of like uh, like a fantastical version like if horse sense is the grounded version of this story this is the like zany version of this story um and the island version is fun i i think it's a fun movie um but not as good i think the horse sense is a better film um i've been waffling between six and 6.5 and so i'm just going to go in the middle and say 6.3 I could not agree more with all of your sentiments. I think for me, it was, um, it was just quirky. And here's what I'll add. The movie knew what it was like that. That is the movie was very aware of what it was and what it set out to do, which I feel like we don't get a lot of in these decoms and the decoms that do well are the decoms that are aware of what they're setting out to do. It also didn't have a ton of plot points. It had very, I think like three to four of them that they tried to resolve as best they possibly could throughout the film sometimes in ridiculous ways, right? But at least we didn't have 20, we didn't have a a plot ball of twine in this one. I actually was sort of trying to figure out where I sat on this one. I did give it a Mm 6.5. I think that this is an above average decom, not as good as horse sense, but it was still a fun movie. This is just a popcorn decom, if there ever was Mm -hmm. one, right? A popcorn decom. Now, I have to tell you that Max, I'm so glad you mentioned the inclusion of Matthew Lawrence Mm -hmm. because the review that I'm about to read to you from IMDb is super jazzed Mm. that Matthew Mm -hmm. is present here. Mm -hmm. The title of this review is Matt's big piece of the acting pie. Oh, the American pie. Maybe who's to say, well, the Australian, it's the Australian (laughs) pie. So, Uh, you know, it's very rare 
that Matthew Lawrence gets to be in something for at least 50% of the movie or TV show. Since Brotherly Love got canned, he had a non-speaking cameo in Horse Sense, parentheses 1%, had 25% in The Hot Chick, 30% in Family Tree, and some of the Boy Meets World episodes had him do some token lines. Only H-E double hockey sticks and jumping ship are the happy exceptions for a big part. I'm glad he did jumping ship to get rid of his drought. Loved the movie overall as well. The only other droughts Matt has are singing Boy Meets World as time goes by 2000 and doing a talk show, Donnie and Marie 2000, while Joseph and Andy did Wayne Brady. Why is this person so knowledgeable of Matt Lawrence's appearances on talk shows or singing? I like that he or she made sure to note that the other two did the Wayne Brady show. Matt Lawrence did Donnie and Marie. Uh That's important information. This is the most wild thing to read because Uh, we started with big Matt Lawrence stan here. He's a big big fan. Huge. Also, the the inclusion of percentages in this. Yeah, did he go count? Does that feel accurate? Like, where did you land on that? Did we did we count seconds he was included in these by you know breakdown by total runtime? You know what? We'd have to follow up with this reviewer to figure out how they did the math. But the one percent in horse sense feels right i would call it less i mean it was literally a look back on the tarmac if i remember correctly you, you are correct upon arrival to yeah to, to the great it feels like not even one percent but yeah the, oh by the way this reviewer gave the film a seven out of ten. Oh, well hey right on with us you know what i mean true true i, I, I feel like we're averaging to like a 6.6 or so so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well that's uh that's jumping ship everybody we did it What's, hey, what's... big, big ups from the last one. Dude, you are not wrong. You I'm, not I am thrilled to see this movie after the Jenny project. I and hounded. Like we had a nice respite. Oh my God, you're so, Jackson. you're so right. But hounded. We've oh had, yeah, Jet Jackson. We had Jet Jackson in there. Yeah, Jet yeah, Jackson yeah, yeah, was yeah. like the nice bridge breath of I fresh air. more than Jet Jackson though, if I'm being honest. Hmm. Well, we have Taj Mowry making his illustrious return next week, so he will get a second try. And the poof point. That's going to be a fun, a fun thing to examine. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing if uh, Taj Mowry can redeem himself after what was perhaps one of the worst films we've watched <laughs> in, our, in our pursuit of decom completion. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, boy, because of Hounded. So, yeah, next week, the poof point. Thank you all so much for listening to Zetas Lapidus. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rate and a review. It really does help us out. Make sure you're following us on social at Mammoth Club or Mammoth underscore club and come hang out with us and the Mam Fam on our Discord. And until next time, friends, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye, mate. Good day, mate. Goodbye, mate. Let's put another shrimp on the barbie.